Welcome back to another episode of the Money Multiplier Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Kessler, and I'm joined here again with my colleague, my friend, Jonah Dew. Jonah, what's going on today? Not much. Good morning. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. We're recording this. It's the week after the 4th of July. So I I hope everybody had a great 4th, had a safe and happy 4th with your family and friends. Um, I know I just said... Absolutely. Did you guys shoot any fireworks over there in Florida? Yeah, we did. We like the Roman candles. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. We we've got little kids in my house, so we we did Roman candles and the little uh, the fireworks. We throw them on the ground and they pop, and, mm-hmm. and a bunch of sparklers and stuff like that. And uh, so we didn't do anything like super big because because uh, you know the babies don't like the big loud sounds and the dogs and stuff. So, but we had yeah. a good time. Thank you. Yeah, I hope everyone else did as well. Good. And so, so anyway, so this is our uh, second episode or the second part to uh, our last week's uh, recording of the cons, you know, cons to infinite banking. This is part two. So uh, Jonah, let's dive in. Uh, Let's recap kind of what we uh, talked about on last week's episode. Yeah, absolutely. I think we got a lot of good feedback. Uh, Actually, even before we started this recording, we were chatting about some of the feedback we've gotten from some of the episodes. So that is an open invitation for those who are listening. Please let us know what topics that you might be interested in having us cover or your thoughts on the topics that we are covering. But last episode, part one to the cons of infinite banking, we we touched on a few cons. So let's, again, let's not dive into those cons again today. If you want to hear those, you can go uh, listen to our last episode, but let's touch on them real quickly. So we talked about uh, that the policy is too expensive. That's one of the cons that we talked about today. The policy is too expensive. And we talked about how, well, if you're getting able, if you're the one picking the premium, then how can you say it's too expensive, right? And then there's the other mindset where you're talking about, well, it's more expensive than other types of life insurance. And I, we said to that, well, other types of life insurance aren't banking policies. They're providing a different need. So it's not really comparing apples to apples. It's more like apples and oranges. That's one of the topics we, we chatted about. Uh, we also talked about, uh, Hannah, you had mentioned specifically, I, I think that it, the policy takes a long time to build up takes a while to build up. And so just, uh, again, just quick recap, just touch on it. Yeah. So, so because uh, everybody who dives into this world of infinite banking, they like to look at it more as an investment, you know, no, 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 that this is the process. You're taking back the control of the banking function in your life. So, so some folks can look at that con of, well, in the year one, I can't borrow out dollar for dollar. That's okay. Because are you in this for the short game or the long game? That's right. Absolutely. We also talked about loss of liquidity as a con to infinite banking, meaning sometimes folks say, well, I'm putting in $10,000, $20,000 to this policy. And in that first year, I can only take out $5,000 or $10,000 respectively. And so people say, well, I'm losing liquidity of my money. And we touched on that in episode one, part one of the cons of infinite banking, where we talk about just like Hannah mentioned, is it a long-term play or a short-term play for you? What are you thinking? Are you thinking long-range or are you not thinking long-range? And at the same time, it's also, uh, when we talk about that, the difference between using your own money to purchase something and using someone else's money to purchase something. There are very, very big differences there. And I think you mentioned uh, a topic 
uh, a con that we hear sometimes where people say, I don't want to pay interest on my own money. Mm-hmm. Why in the world would I do that? And so touch on that one really quick. Yep, yep, because that comes from the big gurus out there. Uh, so so really, a right high-level recap, we're not borrowing our actual pot of cash that's in the policy. We're putting the policy up for collateral, taking a loan from the general funds. So thus, that's why we're able to continue that uninterrupted compounding and what, what happens on the growth of our cash. That's exactly right. So I think we were having so much fun last episode chatting about these cons that uh, in the middle of the episode, we decided to do a part two because we had more that we wanted to touch on and we didn't get all of them in in part part number one, episode one. So today is part two of the cons of infinite banking. Again, if you're a first time listener, then please reach out to us here at The Money Multiplier. We want to help you set up your own infinite banking policy and hope Hopefully, these last two episodes are helping you kind of fight back on some of those thoughts that might creep up to say, this won't work for me, or how can it work if this is what I'm thinking? And hopefully today we can tackle some of those cons in that process. But again, if you are a first-timer, then we want to help you. If you're not a first-timer, these things can still creep up. And you can have other influences, outside influences, whether that be family, friends, colleagues uh, speaking into you some of these other things, which sometimes make you forget or make you feel like, huh, maybe they might be right because it goes back to that traditional way of thinking. So today we've got a few more cons to jump into. And let me add too, if if this is your first podcast that you are listening to us, go to themoneymultiplier.com and up on the, the home page on the taskbar up at the top, you'll see resources. Click on presentation. That right there is a good starting point to understand the foundation knowledge of what is this concept? How are we implementing it? Why do we even want to do it? And, and then reach out to us if you want to talk more. Because honestly, I, I don't charge you anything for my time. I'm here to help answer any questions that you have. So, all right, I'm ready That's to hop abs- into it now. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely right. I don't think anyone at the Money Multiplier will charge you for the conversation, right? At That's all. Right. You don't have to pay to work with us. We want to help you start the infinite banking process. Okay, Hannah, I think you're up first. Con, I don't even know what number con this is. Maybe con number five or six, if you can uh, add all the ones from the last episode. But sometimes we've heard people say, it's not a good time for me to start. It's not mm-hmm. a good time in life. Uh, things are happening. COVID, uh, work, uh, whatever else might be the influence, but it's not a good time. What are your thoughts on that when you hear someone say, it's not a good time? Well, when was a good time to have your child is the first thing that popped into my mind, right? It's never a good time. It's never, ever, ever going to be a good time. All the stars in the sky aren't going to align magically in one given point in time where, all right, this is it. This is the time where I should start. Now, I get it. I get that there is some times that you do come into some tough financial positions that, hey, Hannah, I know myself. I know that right now I'm just in this financial bind, but give me about three 
three months and I'm going to come back to you. I, I have had those people come back to me because they are disciplined with their mindsets and their money. But but th- those other people, like, you know, when these people are kind of making excuses, I don't know if it's just like the energy that comes off of it, the conversation, etc. But but those types of people, the ones that are always making excuses, it's not a good time for me to start because of, uh, of, of I'm taking care of my mom over here. Uh, my, my children are in college over there. And, and I'm just stretched kind of thin right now. And, and and honestly, if you never change that mindset or, or that really that principle of how you've been always taught to, to work with money and handle money, nothing's ever going to change. What dad always tells folks all the time, you know, Hey, the wealth train's going to keep moving down the track, whether you're at the station or not. So you better be at that station to hop on. We'll, we'll keep going down the tracks and leave you behind if you want. So, so in my opinion, it, it all starts with uh, something small, right? Start with something small that you're comfortable with. So at the end of the day, how I looked at this when I first got into this concept, it's my forced savings. You know, what am I going to force myself to save? How much am I worth every hour? Am I worth 50 bucks a month, 200, or excuse me, 50 bucks a week, $200 a month? Absolutely. Put that $200 a month away inside of a policy and just start somewhere. That's right. There's a very popular Chinese proverb. I, I don't believe this quote's attributed to anyone. And if I'm misspeaking, someone can uh, let me know. But I think the Chinese proverb says the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And the second best time is right now. Mm-hmm. And that is like, absolutely what we're saying about the infinite banking process. There's never a, a best time to do something. The The time is now. I think we've got a, a colleague uh, that uh, works with us that loves to wear that watch, right? He mm-hmm. wears a watch, uh, and I don't think it. I don't actually. I don't think it tells time. I no. think it just <laughs> says the time is now. That's the best time to start, right? Especially when you're talking about compounding, earning compound interest, right? When you talk mm-hmm. about that, when's the best time to earn compound interest? Now. Now is the best time. And I wish I would have started yesterday, right? Every day it gets better. Every day better than the day before. Every year better than the year before. And talking about this too kind of brings up another con. I kind of in this realm, but sometimes, Jonah, do you ever get people who come to you and say, Hannah, you know, this is such great stuff. However, I'm too old to do this. Do you hear that sometimes? Yeah. I do. I do. That's a that's a very good con. So so one one of the questions that I ask them if they say that type of uh, uh, response to me is this: But we're talking about cash flow. We are talking about the use of money. So I'm assuming because you, of your age that you're too old, whatever age that might be, right? Because one person might say it being you know 55, and the next person says it being 75. You know, it's just whatever age you are. I assume you don't use money anymore then. That, that's what you're telling me, right? <laughs> no, yeah. that's no way that's true. You use money every single day. And if you're going to plan to be around tomorrow, it's compounding. It's moving you forward, right? And you have to use money. That that to me is, uh, as, and again, I'm not picking on anyone, but that to me is someone who uh, needs to understand a little bit more exactly what we're chatting about. It's not, sometimes this gets brought up as well. It's, it's, it's insurance. Oh, insurance this, insurance that. It's like, hold on a second. The vehicle is insurance. We are designing a policy here that is all about cash value, cash growth cash use, cash accumulation. 
It does not matter how old you are. Cash is important. You have to spend money. Uh, Hannah, we, I think we asked this at our mastermind in Daytona Beach just a few months ago. Uh, if a 20-year-old, a 40-year-old, and a 60-year-old all go into the same grocery store and they all have $20 to spend, who spends, who buys the most groceries? All of them. All of them buy the same groceries. They all had $20, right? Age is not a factor when it comes to cash value, spending money. You need money to live. Does not matter how old you are. So I love that. That was a, that was a, that was a perfect con. Hopefully we touched on that. Okay. I've got one that I want to jump into. Can I go? Go ahead. All right. Cool. 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 So sometimes I hear a con people say, well, what's the guaranteed interest rate on this policy? And why would I do this or why would I choose that rate compared to whatever else they like to do in their spare time that maybe has a higher rate? So they're basically saying, why do something at 2% when I can do something over here at 10? Why do something at 4% when I can do something over here at 8, right? And Mm -hmm. that's the con. No way would I do that. So there's lots to unpack here, lots to unpack here when they're talking about low rate, the rate's too low. One of the first things to unpack is uh, actually uh, something that we've uh, touched on a little bit uh, up to this point, but it's a very popular saying and phrase from a, a different colleague of ours where he talks about the ability to do two things, an and asset as opposed to an or. And what he's saying there is if you choose the other option because of the higher interest rate, you are locked into that option. You cannot do anything else. You choose the stock, the bond, the the private deal where you get 10%, you're locked into that. You only earn 10% while your money's locked up. You have no liquidity. You have no use. The money's locked. The second you take your money out of the program or plan, you can use it now. And you can use any earnings that have happened, but you've stopped the growth, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas if you use your infinite banking policy, you've got liquidity. You've got the guaranteed, even though it's a lower rate from what you're comparing to, sure. You've got the rate that's guaranteed, but then you still have liquidity of cash value that you can now use to go do that other thing that you liked so much with the higher rate. It's kind of like a double dip situation, right? You can do both. And not only that, because of things like taxes and because of things like capital gains, we actually generally can show you, prove to you how doing both actually makes you more money than doing just the one, right? I know that we uh, have a couple of episodes on YouTube where we walk through that. Uh, and uh, Nelson Nash walks through that. And I'm not sure if he does it in the book. You'll have to forgive me. I, I don't think he touches on this in the physical hard copy of Becoming Your Own Banker, but I know for a fact that he does it on the CD version of Becoming Your Own Banker, where he proves to you, take the exact same investment without doing your policy and take this same investment with doing your policy and the policy makes more money. Even though you're going through your policy, then to the investment as opposed to just doing the investment. So uh, if you're looking for that on YouTube, I know that I personally have a video where I touch on that if you want to see the actual numbers and kind of have that proof. And I believe it's called, but I can get a higher rate of return. That's the, that's the link. And again, that is coming directly from 
the Nelson Nash Become Your Own Banker CD, the audio version of the book. The audio version is a little different than the actual book. So if you haven't listened to both or, or listened to the one and read the other, then I would highly recommend it. Uh, I know that's one of the things that I enjoy sometimes when I do road trips and stuff. I pop that in and it's only it's only an hour and eight minutes, if I'm not mistaken. So not very long to listen to. Uh, and that's some, one of the things that I hear sometimes. Why would I do this compared to the, the other thing? It goes back to some of the other things we said earlier, right? You have to use your own money. Now your money's locked up. Now you don't have control over what happens. What happens if your investment doesn't do so well and you don't make a bunch of money, right? And, and all of those can be avoided using your policy loan in order to do that same investment. So that's a con that I hear sometimes. Any thoughts on that? No, that was good. I actually did very well. I honestly explain it like a first grade uh, level uh, uh, teaching. <laughs> I say, I say, you know, you know what I tell people? I say, hey, you know, I make the money inside my policy that's earning me, let, let, let's call it a 4%. And then I'm able to leverage that policy, go take it out. Because all of you real estate investors, y'all understand cash flow and leverage of, of good debt. So I'm taking that that cash out. I'm going to go and do a private lending deal or go give it to another borrower, put do a, a down payment on a house. And thus, by doing so, let's call that a 10%. So now I'm making money in the policy at 4%, plus I'm over here making money at 10%. So I'm double dipping on that dollar. But no, that, that, that was perfect. And I'm glad that you touched on the taxes as well, because taxes, a lot of people don't understand that. I mean, people get that they're there and, and people understand that we got to pay taxes. And yes, it is a large eroder of our wealth, but, but there are, through the policy, you can cut down and minimize those taxes uh, that, that come in. Because right, at tax-free growth inside the policy and death benefit is also paid out tax-free. And again, you talk about death benefit too. We don't talk about it a lot. But that is the cherry on top of the cake, uh, that we do have that protection. And thus, that's what leads the legacy to the family. So now the whole idea is, is that now once you're not here anymore, leave that legacy to the family, have them start now with that wealth, either go buy cash flow assets or put it back into policies and keep building the, ba the family banking system, the infinite banking concept. I wish folks could there see my, my finger right now. I'm doing the infinite <laughs> symbol. <laughs> Sometimes I tell people it's like the recycle symbol, three arrows kind of in a circle, and it just keeps going around and around. Uh, yeah. But I like that. Absolutely. Okay, Hannah, what about this one? I don't have the money. I live paycheck to paycheck. Oh, the examples you showed were 10000 and 25000 I don't have that. What about yeah. that? What about that, Con? <laughs> I don't have the money. Yeah, yeah, I this one, this one, I I get it. These are the folks that get cold feet. They're they're a little nervous to start. Um, kind of kind of just to piggyback on, on the the other one, you know. Hey, it's never a good time to start. Really, it, it, same thing here. I don't have the money to start. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. If you go be disciplined enough and you go put your mind to it, I bet you could cut down on some of those expenses. Hey, instead of uh, buying steak uh, every single week, let let's go and just uh, get myself some chicken at the grocery store, right? I mean, I mean there, there's so many ways that folks can go and get wealth. And, and actually another colleague of ours, Miss Maureen, you know, she has a really good story and, and you know, she, she'll even, uh, you, you know, collect all of the change that she'll find throughout the house from her kids and she'll use that for her gas money. She'll just find money that way. So there, there are ways and there, there are things that you can do to 
really be disciplined with their finances to put put some aside because honestly I think this is more of a mindset thing but it's you treating yourself as your number one asset so do so you know treat yourself as that number one priority in your life pay yourself first I love that I I uh, I absolutely 100% agree and a lot of times as well we I mean it's it's hard to dive into someone uh, personal finance situation, especially when they're just meeting you for the first time, just hearing the information for the first time. But realistically, uh, even for myself, right, I started my very first policy with a smaller dollar amount. It was a $5,000 policy all year. And I had that policy for about two or three months as I was learning about the process, learning about banking, learning about the value of the policy, and then realized one, oh, I want more than one policy. Two, I have money. I can do more than this. Now, originally when I was getting started, I'm going 5,000 is all I got. You know what I mean? Uh, that's all I got. That's all I'm scrounging up, whatever. And then all of a sudden it turns into policy two, three, four, and those yeah. are all bigger than 5,000, right? All of a sudden I had money once I realized the value of it. So don't, don't uh, step, what, what is the phrase? I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss it. Don't step over the penny trying to no that's not it hannah help me yeah yeah i, I say i say don't tr- uh, trip over the dimes to pick up pennies there it that's- is don't trip over the dimes to pick up pennies absolutely okay cool i've got one more i got one more sometimes i hear uh, uh okay so you're doing banking but but you're doing it through insurance and i'll never qualify for insurance so so i can't do it i, I don't qualify i have some sort of condition i have or whatever it might be. Uh, there's lots of reasons you might not qualify for the insurance. So I so I can't do it. I'm disqualified. While that might be true, for disqualification of you personally in getting an insurance policy, that does not mean you are disqualified from banking, from being a banker, being an infinite banker, because you have the ability to insure anyone else in your life that you have insurable interest on. Insurable interest, really, in my definition, uh, kind of a, a first grade definition, I'll steal your word there, is really just anyone who you would be impacted financially if they passed away. That's what we need to know. So that means family members, that means business partners, that means uh, kids, that so many people who might fit that bill in your life, and they can get the insurance policy on themselves. They're the insured body, but you are now the owner. So of course, you got to let them know that there's some extra one or two pieces of paper you got to sign, right? But that's it. And then you're the owner of the policy. You control it. You use the money. You've got the growth. You can use the cash value, but it wasn't actually your body who got the insurance because of the disqualification, whatever disqualification that might be. We actually uh, know of some friends, right, who have more than one policy, more than 10 policies, and they don't qualify for insurance. They still practice banking. They still practice banking. That is not, that is only a disqualification or a deterrent or, or a con for someone who is not serious about practicing banking. The people who are serious, find a way around it very, yep. very easily. If there's a will, there's a way. It, it's very, it's very simple. So, so there's three parts to an insurance contract. I'll go through this very quickly. Do you have the owner, the insured body, and the beneficiary. 
beneficiary is the one that gets the windfall of cash once the insured person passes, right? The insured person is the one with the death benefit. And the owner, the owner is the one who has 100% control over the policy. So so let, let's make believe you cannot be the insured body because you got diagnosed with cancer two years ago, or, or uh, you are a convicted felon. Honestly, you know, you got to wait 10 years. If you got a felony on your record, you can't get a policy for the next 10 years. So so, but anyways, if you do uh, have some health concerns going on, just reach out to us because we do this day in and day out. So if you want to talk about medical stuff, well, we'll be here to help you and guide you. So anyway, so let's say you're the insured body. You can't get qualified because you uh, got diagnosed with cancer two years ago. So let's say we use your spouse. Your spouse is going to be the insured body. They have the death benefit on them. You can be named the owner of their policy. Thus, you being the owner, you have 100% control and, and, and uh, uh, um, ownership over that policy. That's absolutely correct. That is exactly how that works. And so if that's your situation, just reach out. We'll be more than happy to, to, to walk you through how you can still get started, uh, even though you might have a disqualification personally. And again, if you're battling any of the cons that we talked about today or in the last episode, please, please, please don't let that, that negative uh, thoughts and thought process creep in and stop you from becoming your own banker and realizing the growth of cash value and how powerful it can be in your life. We have so many success stories. Maybe we should do that. Maybe we should do an episode on that, Anna. We should just do success stories. Just read people's success stories. Uh, and that might be fun, fun to do. I, I like that. I like that. And too, honestly, if you have those negative thoughts creeping in, reach out to us. I would love to hear those negative thoughts because it gives us more ideas on more podcast topics <laughs> and, and we can help walk you through it together. You know, let, let, let us be your, your listening buddy. There you go. That's absolutely correct. Okay. Just as a reminder, uh, we have lots of lots and lots of live banking presentations that are upcoming all around the United States. So if I go in order, I think on July 16th, the banking bros, that's myself, Jonah Dew and Jeremiah Dew be live in Greenville, South Carolina. If you're anywhere close to the upstate of Greenville, South Carolina, North Carolina, please reach out. We want to get you information on where you can hear us live. We'll talk about banking. I believe on July 23rd, Hannah uh, will be in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, doing a live banking presentation. Is that right? That's right. At the Hyatt Place, Fort Lauderdale Airport. Um, so so what, what we'll do as well is we'll link all of these uh, down below and we'll date them, uh, date and order. So, yep. So Fort Lauderdale, July 23rd. That's awesome. July 28th, I believe you'll be in Gilbert, Arizona speaking right. as well. I know that uh, we have a, a a client or two that have actually asked me about that. I think they're coming to see you. So uh, we'll see you there. Uh, July 29th and 30th, one of our colleagues, Chris Noggle, is having a event in Buffalo, New York. I believe you, uh, Hannah, and, and your dad, Brent, will be there in attendance. So yes. that's July 29th and 30th in Buffalo, New York. And uh, I believe for the moment, those are the July uh, dates uh, and events where we will be live and in person teaching and talking about the infinite banking concept. We would love to see you there if you're around. Thank you guys so much for joining us on another episode of the Money Multiplier Podcast, and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks, Jonah. See you then.